This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. And after a long two weeks of hard negotiating, we finally have a deal for the next round of relief for the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, we expect the House to pass it this week and send it off to the president after a Senate vote. So, Jen, how'd they finally get this done? So, like you said, this has been about a two-week process since the Trump administration sent up their request for lawmakers to provide additional money for that Paycheck Protection Program, that forgivable small business loan program that has proved immensely popular. And since then, Republicans, Democrats, and the Trump administration have been going back and forth on how that program should be structured. Democrats had a lot of concerns that it was, you know, larger businesses that had more traditional relationships with some of these banks that are giving out these forgivable small business loans. And there were a lot of concerns amongst Democrats and some Republicans that these loans weren't getting to rural areas, to businesses that are in minority communities or owned by women. And so that is something that has been going back and forth through negotiations the past week or so. In addition to providing extra funding for that forgivable small business loan program, Democrats also really wanted this package to include additional funding for hospitals and healthcare workers, tests, those COVID-19 tests that we've been hearing a lot about lately. Um, and they also wanted it to include funding to help state and local governments that are expending a lot of additional funds that they did not plan on spending to address the pandemic. And then also at the same time, increase experiencing um, budget shortfalls. And so all of that has been going back and forth. And they finally reached agreement this week on Tuesday. It sounds like they got most of what they wanted, right? Democrats, yes, and Republicans to a certain extent. So originally, the White House wanted to add $251 billion to this forgivable small business loan program on top of the $349 billion that was in that really large, almost $2 trillion package that Congress passed last month. And so in the end, they did $310 billion for this program and then some money on top of that for sort of administration fees and things like that. Um, They did $50 billion more for emergency disaster loans. Hospitals and other healthcare facilities received $75 billion in the bill. And the legislation also includes $25 billion more for COVID-19 testing. But, and this is going to be a really big negotiating point going forward, the legislation does not include any additional funding to help state and local governments. And that's going to be something that is a really big piece of negotiations heading into next month as Congress starts negotiating the next aid package. And it sounds like this next package is going to be a lot tougher uh, to get going here. And Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is sending out a warning. He, he wants to pump the brake, brakes a bit now. Yeah. And so one of the things that we heard from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell 
yesterday and today um, after the Senate passed this legislation um, and on some some interviews that he did is that he really wants Congress to be back in town when they start negotiating this next aid package, which is going to be even bigger than this aid package. Um, and so the the dollar figure on the next aid package, I think everyone pretty much expects it's going to be a trillion dollar figure instead of a billion dollar figure. So he's saying that he wants to make sure lawmakers are back in town for that. He also wants to give a lot of these programs time to get fully up and running and see how the economy um, is going to kind of weather the next few weeks uh, to a, maybe a month or a little bit more um, of the yeah. virus. And I was, it did strike me at his press conference the other day that he is now sounding the alarm about the debt, which, which almost no lawmakers have talked about. They've all, you know, all of these aid packages have been paid for just by borrowing and rising up the deficit. And now McConnell came out and said, you know what? We're going to have a debt problem and we need to go more slowly. We did hear a little of that when the Senate took up the package on Tuesday because Rand Paul, the other Kentucky Republican, voiced an objection to the package saying we're never going to get out of this mess uh, until we reopen the economy, no matter how much we spend. And so he opposed it because it was another half a trillion dollars unpaid for. And then McConnell, as soon as the package passed, raises concern about the debt and says, we have to go more slowly now. That's going to be a hurdle because Democrats want a lot more funding. And even President Trump seemed eager for a broad, big package. Uh, and he talked at his briefing about uh, getting a big infrastructure package, getting payroll tax cuts, and helping state and local governments. Those are big ticket items. Yeah, after listening, to, after seeing the Trump tweet and listening to McConnell and listening to Speaker Pelosi and Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer, it really almost sounds like Trump and Democrats are more aligned on what they want in the next package than Trump and McConnell, which is a very strange situation to sort of be reporting yeah. on. So that could make this next package a really tough nut to crack, and it's going to take a little longer. And if McConnell wants everybody back in town for it, it could drag out the debate on it, too. Right. And I think that's another really interesting aspect to this story, as well as what is going to be in the next package, is that, um, you know, the District of Columbia's stay-at-home order extends through, I believe, May 15th, May 16th, something like that. And so McConnell is talking about bringing members back into, you know, relatively close quarters in the Capitol. They all have their own offices, obviously, but when they come in for a vote series, it's really challenging for them to stay six feet apart. Uh, We've seen some lawmakers walking around with masks on, but they don't seem to be wearing the masks when they're on the floor. Um, They obviously, a lot of them have to get on planes to get back here. Um, So if the Senate does come back on May 4th, that's going to be a really interesting situation in terms of just the general health of these lawmakers. So that's a challenge. And then if they really make good on what they're saying they want to do for the next package, we're talking about, it could be the biggest package ever. We don't know yet. But I mean, the biggest package so far was this $2 trillion measure, which the Congressional Budget Office says actually about $1.8 trillion net cost, which is huge. But now think about this next one. If they, if they do infrastructure, I mean, Trump has talked about a two, and, and Democrats have talked about a $2 trillion plan just for infrastructure in the past. And then the state and local government aid, uh, states and localities are pushing for something like a half trillion dollars just for them, just for state and local governments because of 
all the revenue they're losing during the economic shutdown. So those two elements alone could you, you could approach two and a half trillion dollars. So I mean, and that's not with any additional help for small businesses or anything else, or os, hospitals or anything else that comes down the pike or payroll tax cuts. I mean, yeah. And I think the one thing is that typically a negotiation on a package of this size um, in these circumstances would take a really long time. But the interesting thing to point out is that we haven't been able to get accurate timelines for this Paycheck Protection Program for how long it might last until it runs out of funding again. Um, that's right. something that no one really seems to have a good handle on right now. And so the last round of funding, $349 billion for that program, lasted about 14 days. Um, and there, we know there's a lot of applications in the pipeline right now. And so as soon as that gets up and running, it could go out of funding almost just as quickly, two weeks, maybe three weeks. And so as soon as that happens, there's going to be another stopwatch on these lawmakers to get something done to help small businesses, especially as we're seeing a lot of states and local governments really extend these stay-at-home orders and try to encourage residents as much as possible to spend more time at home, um, to sort of bend that curve and make sure that everyone's doing the best they can to help the healthcare system and all nurses and doctors and lab techs um, absorb this potential influx of patients. And that's a good point because now we're going to be across currents, I think, in the next package. On the one hand, if this business loan money runs out again real quick, there's going to be a lot of pressure for a new aid package quickly, particularly if hospitals need more money, particularly if state and local governments scream for more money. On the other hand, there's this go-slow effort by, the, by McConnell and maybe other Republicans that were taking on too much debt. And we need time for Congress to, to reconvene, and that's going to be a challenge. Uh, so that's a real dilemma here as to as to how to move forward with the next package. There's going to be a lot of debate around that and a lot of people trying to get better data and a better grasp of where the virus is, how it's spreading, and then how these previous pieces of legislation, these aid packages, are actually being absorbed by the economy. And then, of course, once individual states and regions start to get to a place where they're comfortable lifting these stay-at-home orders, um, either incrementally or all at once, that's going to be another really important thing to watch because no, we've never just hit pause on the economy before. And so how these places get up and running again is going to be really instrumental into what Congress needs to do with additional aid packages. Because one of the big things that I'm hearing a lot um, from local lawmakers and state lawmakers right now is that, okay, if we get to a position where we have enough tests to lift the stay-at-home order even somewhat, are people going to feel comfortable going out to a restaurant, going out shopping, going to the beach right. in the summer? And so that's something that we really don't know right now is that once the, the state governments say, yes, you can go out and resume your life, are people really going to feel comfortable doing that? And then what are those sort of short-term and long-term impacts on all these sections of the economy that we've just shut down? A lot of questions here. Uh, and we should say that this aid package is not even law yet. The Senate passed it Tuesday. The House comes in Thursday to take it up. Uh, it should pass with bipartisan support. Leaders of both parties are behind it, so we do expect it to pass, uh, assuming nothing bizarre happens, I assume, and then and then Trump has said he would sign it. Yeah, I don't anticipate any overdramatic hurdles to the House passing this piece of legislation or Trump signing it. So we should have that in law by the end of the week, I would think. 
and then talk kicks up on this next package that could be uh, quite an undertaking. Okay, well, that does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can drop us an email at cqpodcast at cqrollcall, one word, dot com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call. It's a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, the global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.